0: Amen. Y'all let them know how much you appreciate them leading us in worship this morning. Always blessed by them. Well, you got a Bible with you, John chapter 17 in your Bible, John chapter 17. If you're a guest of ours, we're in a series right now entitled Maximizing Moments. What our goal is, is to go on a gospel tour. So we're going to talk about the doctrines of salvation this morning, at the same time to get a gospel skill. So I'm going to share with you today how to deliver the good news of who Jesus is using only one verse out of the Bible. So hopefully that'll be very helpful for you. But John chapter 17 is where we find ourselves this morning, verse 17 and 18. In John 17, what we have really is a prayer of Jesus Christ, and he's lifting this up to the Father, and he's praying on your behalf as well as on my behalf. So he's actually praying for us, and we're going to see what his prayer really consists of in John 17, verse 17 through 18. So as you're opening up your Bibles, let me just kind of kick it off like this. So I was uh, hanging out with lunch, with lunch. Y'all with me? How about I went to lunch with somebody, and uh, as I was eating lunch with this guy, he was talking about his business, and he began to share with me. Me how his boss, uh, several years ago, actually said something like this to him. He said, look, we're extremely busy doing a lot of things. we got more jobs than we ever had before. He said, there's only one problem. And so the guy was like, well, what's the problem? He says, well, the problem is we're not making any money. Now that, y'all with me, that's a problem, yeah? So he was saying, we're more busy than we've ever been. We're just not turning a profit. And here's the thing. If you have a business and the business is not making any money, then that business is one day going to be out of business, right? So that's the future. So anyway, that's what they began to talk about so that they could change things in the organization. So when I left that, I began to think about the church. And I thought to myself, what are we in the business for? You know, the church is in a business. Now, we're obviously not in the business to make money, but we are in the business to lead people to faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what Jesus says, you're to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to uh, obey all that Jesus commanded. And Jesus says, in this business, in this mission, he says, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And I love that. Jesus is with the church in a unique fashion that is involved in the mission. But here's the thing, if we're not careful as a church, then we can get off mission we can begin to get really busy doing a lot of things but not accomplishing what we're really supposed to be accomplishing. And if we're not careful, we can actually, check this out, go out of business. Matter of fact, if you think about churches all across the United States, there are several churches on a weekly basis that are closing the doors. So they're no longer meeting on Sundays, no longer meeting on Wednesday nights. What happened to those fellowships? Well, they got off target. They began to do things that Jesus had not really necessarily called them to do. So we've gotta make sure as a fellowship that we stay on target with the mission of making disciples. And here's the deal. If we're gonna have a fellowship that is on target with making disciples, that means we have to be made up of a church family, that is you as well as myself, who are focused in on this concept of introducing other people to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, eyeball to eyeball, so we're all on the same page. I do not want you to miss this. It's been wonderful to see how God's grown Concord, even in the summer. But here's what's unique. If we're not careful, we may think that we're growing, when in fact, we may be growing but not making an impact on the darkness. You see, when people join our church family from other churches— that's not making a difference for the kingdom of God. What that is, is kind of swapping sheep around. Are y'all out there say yes? So now, don't get me wrong, if sheep want to come here and pasture and eat and that kind of thing, that's fine. But let's not look at that and say, man, Concord is really getting after it. No, no, no. Concord is only getting after it when we are leading people to faith in Jesus Christ. And when people are redeemed and come into the family of God, that's when we're making a dent in the darkness. And then we also have to be very careful that we don't think, man, if we just had the right program or we could just do this one thing, then we would reach so many people. Listen closely. Uh, God doesn't work through programs. God works through people. And God wants to use you, not a program, to accomplish his work here upon the earth. I love what I read uh, in a book this past week. And let me kind of give this to you uh, from the author. He says this, a barren Christian, that is a Christian who does not reproduce, does not lead others to faith. He says a barren Christian is a contradiction. He says a tree is known by its fruit. And then he goes on in this text and he says men, speaking to men, men, did you gather that he was speaking to men, amen? All right, he says, men, where's your man? And then he goes, women, where's your woman? Where is the person that you personally have led to faith in Jesus Christ who is still going on with Jesus? Now that's a pretty strong question, isn't it? Because I could kind of turn it all back around to us and say to you, where's your person? Who have you led to faith in Jesus Christ who is still moving on with the Lord Jesus? You see, Jesus is invisible. He died, he was buried, resurrected, he went into the heavens. He was visible for a season, but now he's invisible. Nobody's seeing Jesus. So how does a dark world see Jesus? They see Jesus as he is reflected through your life. Listen, the only Jesus some people are going to see where you work is in you. The only Jesus that some people are going to see where you live is in you. So you've got to realize that this mission of making disciples, leading others to faith in Jesus, this is your calling. This isn't something that just kind of staff people do. This is like the whole mission of the church. And if we want to stay on center with what God's really called us to do, we got to make sure that all of us are choosing to be on point with this particular mission. That's why we're in this series, Maximizing Moments. Because I want you to maximize every moment that God gives you to share the good news of Jesus Christ in our community. I want you to reflect the nature and the character of Jesus to those that you come into contact with. I want that for my life. I want that for your life. And most importantly, God wants that for every single one of us. And so that's why we've gone on this gospel tour, kind of taking a look at Salvation City. And what we've seen so far are two streets. We saw justification junction. The moment you come to faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that you are justified. God declares you to be righteous. He clears you of all your guilt, and he considers you to be righteous, as righteous as his son Jesus So this is justification junction. And then last week we jumped on Adoption Avenue. Y'all remember this one when we rode down? And this is the reality that as soon as you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you are embraced by God and He now is your Heavenly Father. So we kind of dove into that and talked about that last week. Now today, we're going to jump on Sanctification Street. And boy, I'm going to tell you, I love this street. Y'all with me? And we're going to ride the bus together, and I want you to see what sanctification really is and how you can partner with it today. Now, that's what Jesus is praying in John chapter 17. He's praying for your sanctification as well as my sanctification. So let's look at it together. If you'll stand with me in out of God's word verse 17 in front of you if you got it there say amen Amen. all right so the bible says sanctify them in the truth your word is truth and then verse 18 i love this if you don't have this one underlined in your bible you might want to the bible says jesus speaking to god the father as you sent me into the world i also have sent them into the world what an awesome verse let's pray together father these two verses are paramount in our christian walk And God, I pray in Jesus' name that we would allow these verses to sink down into our hearts and they would begin to change how we live. God, we know if any man's in Christ, he's a brand new creation. The old's gone, the new has come. But at the same time, Lord, we know that we can cooperate with you in this process of sanctification. So make it true in our lives and we'll give you glory. And that's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. So you go ahead and be seated this morning. We kind of kick it off with a simple question. What is sanctification? I've already used that word several times, but what exactly is it? Well, sanctification, in a nutshell, and you might want to jot this down, means to be set apart for special use by God. To be set apart for special use by God. Now, that's why it happens when you come to faith in Jesus. You're justified You're adopted, and then the process of sanctification begins. God now puts you aside for his special use. Now, we may not use this word in our modern-day vernacular very often, sanctification, but we practice it on a regular basis. Matter of fact, I started thinking about all of the ways that we practice the word or the act of sanctification. And then I thought about one of the plates in our house that has been sanctified. We have a red plate in our house. This plate is sanctified in the house. It's set aside for special use. Every single birthday of our kid, my wife puts this plate in front of them with breakfast on them. And this plate says, God thinks you're special today and every day. Now. It's my birthday every year, too. I've yet to get this plate, but that's beside the point. Y'all with me? But anyway, so, but this plate has been set aside for special use in our house. So that plate is sanctified. You know, even as Americans, right, we set aside certain days. We sanctify them. Labor Day's coming up. That's a sanctified day. It's set aside for specific use, for special use. I remember growing up too, man. I don't know if you guys had this when you were growing up, but in our living room in the house, there was a chair that was sanctified. you know what I'm talking about? This is the chair that only my dad could sit in. And I used to try to sneak into it sometimes, and uh, he would let me know what was up quick. Y'all with me? He's like, that's my chair, and I had to get up and sit somewhere. It's a sanctified chair. Well, God, at the moment of your salvation, he justified you. He adopted you, but he doesn't just leave you. He brings you now onto this process of sanctification, into this process whereby he is setting you aside for special use here upon the earth. Now, eyeball to eyeball, I want you to listen, listen to this. This is huge. God doesn't save you just to take you to heaven. Are y'all listening to say yes? If God saved you just to take you to heaven, the moment you gave your heart to Jesus, you'd be gone. God saved you, and now he wants to use you here upon the earth in a very special and a very unique way. This is literally what sanctification is all about. Matter of fact, God set you aside so that you would represent Jesus to the community where you live, where you work, and where you play. And I love what Jesus prays. Look at it again in verse 18. He says, as you have sent me, Into the world, I also have sent them. Now, real quick, you want to sit on that verse for a little bit. Jesus is praying to God the Father. He says, all right, God, the same way you sent me out into the world, all of those who are going to follow me after, I'm going to send them into the world. Well, how was Jesus sent? How was Jesus sent into this world? Jesus was sent into this world with a mission. And his mission was to seek and to save those that are lost. And Jesus says, God, the same way you sent me into the world, I'm sending them. So, how have you been sent as a follower of Jesus? You've been sent the same way Jesus has been sent. You've been sent that you might seek to save those that are lost. That's how you're sent. That's why you and I have to live our lives like missionaries, because we have this great, great opportunity to represent Jesus. Sanctification, you are set aside for special use. Just as Jesus was sent into the world, you have been sent into the world. And through this process of sanctification, what's happening is, and you might want to jot this one down as well, is that God is actually uh, using your life to display the holiness of his son Jesus. So sanctification is a process where the holiness of Jesus' life is made manifest in us as well as through us. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about a notebook where inside the notebook it had a list of all of your sins, everything that you've ever done before in your life, every word, every thought, every deed. It's a horrible notebook. But when you gave your heart to Jesus by faith, what the Bible says is that Jesus ripped out the pages of your notebook and threw them into a sea of forgetfulness. And then he took the pages of his son Jesus' notebook, which are perfect righteousness, and he put them inside your notebook. So now inside the book of your life as a follower of Jesus is a perfect picture of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The process of sanctification is God setting you aside like a notebook so that he can now open up your life for others to view the righteousness of his son Jesus. This is you living the life of Jesus so that others would be able to see it. And this is what God does. God picks you up out of your sin. He gives you the righteousness of his son. And now he says, now I'm going to sanctify you so that you reflect the nature and the character of my son in a dark world. Just as Jesus was sent, God is like, now I'm going to send you that's how he's sending every one of us. Now, when we think about sanctification, a few things need to really come to mind. First of all, I want you to know that we need to know it's God's purpose for us to be sanctified. It's his purpose. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 says this, For this is the will of God. And remember, whenever we talk about the will of God, we're talking about his plan, his purpose, and his pleasure. And everybody wants to know this, right? What is God's will for my life? What does God planning for me? What's his pleasure for me? What does he really want to do in my life? Well, the Bible says here's his will, your sanctification. Your spiritual growth, your spiritual maturity, that's God's will for your life. You want to know what God wants from you? He wants you to grow. It's right there, 1 Thessalonians 4.3. So we not only should know that it's God's purpose, but we should also expect it. We should expect our lives to grow in the likeness of Jesus. Paul the Apostle wrote to those in Philippi, and he says this, "...I'm confident that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus." So again, Paul is writing to the church of Philippi. They've come to know Jesus, and he says, I know, I am confident, I am expecting that you would grow in your faith. The third thing we need to know is we need to know that God's Spirit is at work. See, the Holy Spirit has this massive job in your life as well as in my life. He guides us, he leads us, he enables us, he empowers us to live the Jesus life. Matter of fact, Paul the Apostle writes Galatians 2.20, and I love this verse. Listen to what he says. He says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So we need to know the Spirit of God is at work in our life, leading us so that we might reflect and display the character and the conduct of the Lord Jesus. Now here's the fourth thing, and I want you to get this one down because this one's huge we need to realize in sanctification that we partner with the process of sanctification we partner with it you know paul the apostle he writes as well that there are two kinds of jesus followers in the world and he actually elevates these two kinds in 1 corinthians chapter 2 and chapter 3 there is a jesus follower who is spiritually immature and then there is a uh, jesus follower who is spiritually mature so those are the two categories. The question really is, you know, kind of which one are you? A matter of fact, uh, whenever we look at this idea of a worldly Christian and, uh, or a um, Christian who is not growing spiritually, uh, this is a person who is saved but spiritually immature. They're more self-centered than God-centered. They're living more for this world than they are for the next. They're surrendering more to the sin in their lives than they are to the Holy Spirit in their lives. In fact, this person is not participating in the process of sanctification, but instead they are actually fighting against it. And you know, Paul the Apostle mentions this as well when he writes in Romans chapter 6. He says, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, whereby you obey its lust and its desires. And do not go on presenting the members of your body over to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. But instead, I love this, he says, present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and the members of your body as instruments of righteousness. So you know what Paul does? He personifies sin in Romans chapter 6. He says, sin is your old boss. Sin used to tell you what to do. But as you are sanctified, you're no longer surrendering to sin, but instead you are surrendering to the Holy Spirit. Sin is no longer telling you what to do, but the Spirit of God is leading you in your life. This is pretty massive. Matter of fact, we know a spiritual Christian is a maturing Christian. A spiritual Christian is one who is becoming more God-centered than self-centered. They're living more for the sake of God's kingdom and not for this world. They're more surrendered to the Holy Spirit in their lives than they are to sin. They're partnering with the process of sanctification. In fact, uh, God wants every single one of us to be maturing Christians. And we mature as we partner with the process of God and his sanctification in our lives. Now, this morning, most of us have a cell phone. Everybody in the house? And some of you are texting each other while I'm preaching. That's all good, though. I'm just kidding. Maybe you're taking notes. But anyway, you got a a cell phone with you this morning. Cell phone's pretty legit, right? Uh, This is a communication device. I've got a Samsung Galaxy up here. And it's crazy what all you can do with this thing, right? So you can actually talk to people on it. Did y'all remember we could do that? You can do that. You can text people. You got Facebook, you got Twitter, you got Instagram, all of these ways to communicate effectively with others. But check this out every once in a while, when I turn my phone on and I pull down that little tray at the top, it says, There is an update available for you. I get so fired up about that. Do y'all get fired up about the updates? Well, I do. (laughs) Anyway, you have a more exciting life, apparently. So anyway, I pull it and I'm like, oh, there's an update. And then, you know, I do a little little dance. And then when I finish my dance, I press update now. And the reason I want the update is because I want want it to, I want want the update because it's gonna make this phone cooler than your phone. Are y'all listening? It's gonna make it a better communication device. So it's gonna, here's the thing. When you came to faith in Jesus, The day you gave your heart to Christ, you were justified, you were adopted, and then he sanctified you. He began this process. He picked you up, and now he's in the process of making you an effective communication device. So just as you get updates on your phone, God is in the process of updating your life so that as you receive those updates, as you download those updates from God's Word, what happens is you become a more effective communication device on the earth. Listen, God wants you to communicate for him. That's a wild thought, isn't it? God wants to use you to beg people to know Jesus. That's what he wants to use you for. And so as you are sanctified, as you mature, as you grow in your walk with Jesus Christ, he just wants to make you more effective at speaking on his behalf. Listen, everybody's in a different stage in their life right now. But some of you are being controlled by your sin. That's the, that's the bottom line. I mean, you're coming to church and I'm all fired up about that. But sin is telling you what to do. Some of you, you wake up in the morning and the first thought is, what does sin want me to do? What does that thing desire for me to do? You're making arrangements for your sin. You're making appointments for your sin to be satisfied. Some of you at night, you're laying down and all you can think about is how am I going to get the next fix? How am I going to get this fleshly desire met? Where am I going to go tomorrow? How is it? Sin is in control. And Paul's like, listen, when you came to faith in Jesus Christ, you don't have to listen to sin anymore. Quit letting sin tell you what to do. The Holy Spirit now lives in your life. And as the Spirit of God begins to shape you and to form you and to mold your life, you're going to discover that sin's voice begins to drown out. It's not that you're not tempted anymore. It's just the taste of sin isn't as good as following Jesus. And then as you follow Jesus and the Spirit of God takes control of you, you're going to find that there's this unbelievable boldness that starts rising up inside of you. And you're going to start talking to others about Jesus Christ. And check this out, that's the mission. And if you're not dead in line, centered up with that mission, then check this out, you're hindering our entire fellowship from being dead in line and centered up with that mission. And if we get out of kilter, we can get real busy doing a whole lot of stuff and go out of business because we're not doing what God's really called us to do. And that's make disciples. Are y'all listening to me, Preach? I'm preaching up here. Did y'all realize this? We got to grab hold of this, man. Some of you aren't growing because you're rebelling against it. Jesus is seeking to strengthen you, seeking to grow you, and you're like, I'm going to do my own thing right now. Listen, stop doing your own thing. Your own thing ain't getting you nowhere. Be sanctified. It's God's will. He wants that for your life. Man, I want it for your life as well. Now, we're going to partner with this sanctification process. How do we partner with it? A couple of ways. Jot these down. First of all, there needs to be regular fellowship with God. Regular fellowship with God. John 17, 17, look at what Jesus said. He says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is true. So God's word, right? The Bible. God has written a book. It's called the Bible. And the Bible gives us a depiction of the nature and the character of who God is. And if we want to get to know God, we've got to get to know God's word. And this doesn't mean that we're trying to, you know, get as much knowledge of the Scripture just so we can kind of beat other people at Bible trivia. That's not the case. Uh, Listen, information that is taken into your life but not applied to your life only gives you a big head. But if the information becomes application, in other words, I read what the Scripture says and then I actually do that, that's when transformation in your life occurs. And God wants you to spend time alone with him in his word so that he can speak to your heart and show you how you need to live. And this is huge, right? This is huge for me as a preacher, right? So even as a pastor, what I realized early on as I was uh, studying other guys who were in ministry, especially those who had fallen uh, in ministry and they were no longer in ministry, I began to th- see a, a theme, right? And one of the themes was, uh, many of them were fallen because they were having affairs on their wife. Uh, many of them were fallen because of financial issues. Many of them were fallen because of uh, pride issues. So those were the three things. But the amazing reality is that all of those who fell out of ministry, a common theme that ran through their lives, was that they were not spending time alone with God any longer. They just, weren't spending, they just weren't having a quiet time. They weren't having a devotion. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, all right, well, if that's what's happening, I need to make sure that every single day I'm sitting down with the Lord and his word. And here's the thing, right? So I want to sit down with Jesus, and I want to open up the Bible, and I'm going to tell you how I roll it in my house. Y'all with me say yes? So typically I get a cup of coffee and a banana. And then I get my Bible and I sit down. I got a little journal there. I write prayers down. I write down what the Lord's teaching me as I'm reading through. And here's the thing about my quiet times. Sometimes it's as if the Lord himself is sitting with me during that time. Unbelievable. And then sometimes, and let me say it like this, more often it feels like he's a million miles away. Are y'all listening yet? Because I know some of you are like, oh my goodness, you're the preacher. I know I'm the preacher. But the thing is, whenever you sit down with the Lord, you're not going after a feeling. If you're going after a feeling, that is idolatry. You're going after God. So whether I feel it or I don't feel it, doesn't mean God's not sanctifying me. Because God's will is for my sanctification. If it's his plan, his purpose, and his pleasure, and I'm surrendered to it, whether I feel it or I don't feel it, it's happening. (laughs) Y'all aren't listening to me preach. Because the reality is, some of you, you are hooked on a feeling. Is that a song? I knew it was. You're hooked on it. And that, That's your deal. You're, you're like, oh man, I just don't feel it anymore. So you come to church and you're like, maybe today I'll feel it. Maybe today I'll feel it. Maybe, maybe the preacher preaching, I'll feel it. Maybe, maybe I'll go to a small group and I'll feel it. Quit going after feelings. That is not the goal. The goal is God. And if feelings show up, praise the Lord. But if they don't, praise the Lord anyway. He's still working on you. If you are redeemed, if he's, you know, considered you righteous, he has erased all of your sin guilt. If he's adopted you into his family, he's not going to forget about you. He gave up his son's life on the earth for you. He, ga- he bankrupt heaven's glory and gave you the best. So he's not going to turn his back on you. So, so get away from this, I'm not feeling it, attitude. And get back alone with God and go after him. Spend time in his word. Whether you call it a quiet time of devotion, a spiritual habit, whatever you want to call it. Spend time alone with God. And listen, if you're not doing that, I want to encourage you to start. Get your Bible out. To, I mean, set an appointment with the Lord. Sit down with him. If you've got to have some coffee and a banana, get you one. You know what I'm saying? Sit down and just say, Lord, I want to hear from you today. And just and this is what I do. I just jot down things God's teaching me in the word I'm reading through Luke's gospel right now. Jesus overwhelmingly compassionate towards those who are sick I'm seeing that and i'm like lord. I see that you're super compassionate towards those who are sick uh, God, I need you. I need you to make me compassionate to those who are hurting Do you see what I just did? I saw jesus saw what he was doing and i'm like lord. I want to do that. So help me to do that And guess what happens? The Lord then all of a sudden opens up the door and gives me opportunity to express that towards others So I've got phone calls all week this week of people who are sick and not doing well And can I say sometimes they are phone calls when I'm not in the office Are y'all listening? It those phone calls, you're like, do these people not think I ever take off? What is it? But whenever the Lord's sanctifying you, you get a different perspective Oh! Here's an opportunity for me to do what God wants me to do now. Voicemail. No, I'm just kidding. I answer the phone. Hello? Get on the horn. You know what I'm saying? All of this. So I'm just trying to say, when you read the scripture and all of a sudden you see Jesus reaching out to those who are lost, it's like, oh my God, there he goes. He's seeking and saving the lost. That's why he came. Lord, help me to seek and save. I'm writing in my journal now. Help me to be this kind of, you know what God does then? He begins to open my eyes to opportunities all over the place. This is the sanctifying work. But if you aren't in God's word, you're not participating. You're acting in rebellion. You're missing out on what God wants to do in your life. Don't, man. Fellowship with God regularly. Here's the second thing. You want to be sanctified, it's a fellowship Uh, with other followers of Jesus regularly. So regularly fellowship with other followers of Jesus. Proverbs 27, 17, the Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. This is huge, right? I think back in my life and times when I really grew in my faith, most of those times were a direct result of other people in my life helping me. Where I had other men in my life who were saying, you know, Levi, are you spending time alone with the Lord? Levi, are you prioritizing your family? Levi, are you uh, sharing the gospel? Levi, who are you praying for who doesn't know the Lord? When I have people in my life who are holding me accountable, it helps me grow. And listen, some of you are missing out on opportunities to grow in your faith, to be sanctified, because you are rebelling against being around people. But God has put those people in your life on purpose. He wants to use those people. And by the way, as iron sharpens iron, have y'all ever seen iron hit iron? You know what it makes? <laughs> that was sign language, y'all with me on this? You know what it makes? It makes sparks, is what it makes. <laughs> Jazz hands, but anyway, so that's what have. But sparks show up, and here's the thing. Sometimes when you get around other people, even in the context of a church and small group, guess what could happen? Some friction. You start realizing how selfish you really are. Start you don't realize how selfish you are until you get around other people. When you buy by yourself, you just think you got it going on. But you get around others, all of a sudden you realize you got a little ego issue. All of a sudden you realize you want everybody to kind of roll around you. Do y'all, y'all hear what I'm saying? But God uses these in our life to help strengthen us, to show us our weaknesses so that we might get ourselves out of the way And Jesus might be seen in and through us. Sanctification, sanctification. God wants to use other people in your life. So I'd encourage you, man, if you're not involved in a small group here in Concord, you need to get involved in one. All right? Now, what are some evidences that I'm being sanctified? I kind of like this question. How do I know if I'm being sanctified? Uh, Three ways. i got to give them to you quick. First of all, uh, we see more of our life from God's perspective. We really do. We begin to see our life from God's perspective. The Bible says that as we are sanctified and we grow in our faith, that our minds are set on things above instead of on things of the earth. So our minds are changed, right? We're seeing things differently now here on the earth. We're seeing more from God's perspective than from our perspective. Now, a few weeks ago, we were at the beach. So the kids are making sandcastles on the beach. And there they are, they're building a little sandcastle. It's all pretty. And I can see the tides rolling in, it's coming in and getting closer. But they have no clue. So they're building the sandcastle, they're like, Daddy, look at the sandcastle. I'm like, that's awesome, and I'm thinking, man, that water's fixing to be here, that's going to be so funny when it gets here. So anyway, so they're building, they're putting on, I'm, I'm talking about like, I'm not, I don't mean like a five-minute sandcastle, I mean, they were like there 30, 45 minutes just working, and that, that water's just itching up. And I didn't say a word to them, and uh, I'm weird like that, you know what I'm saying, so it's, Anyway, so all of a sudden, I don't know where the, uh, the tide rolls in and just crushes the sandcastle, flattens the whole thing. Oh, I can't believe what's happened. I'm going, that is so funny. And, um, and so as I, as I think about that, though, I think about this is what we do in our lives, isn't it? We kind of uh, spend all of our time, our talents, our treasures on things that make no difference for eternity. What are we doing? We're just building up sandcastles. And we put all our energy into this sandcastle. And we're like, check out this sandcastle, God. Look at this bank account. Look at this house. Look at this vacation. Look, 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 look. Do you see this, God? Are you it? And then the tide comes. And our life is over. And we realize we spent our entire life building sandcastles. Have nothing to show for ourselves. But as we're sanctified, we start realizing, why are we spending so much time on this sand? Let me spend time, energy, effort in building the kingdom of God and we begin to see now our life from a different perspective we see it from God's perspective we say oh my goodness I got this job and I know I can't stand this job but I've been looking at it all wrong God put me here so that I could lead other people to faith in Jesus Christ oh I can't believe I'm on this team I don't know anybody on this team I don't know anybody here maybe God put you there so that you can lead people to faith in Jesus it's a change of perspective Listen, Jesus said, God, in the same way you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. So you have been sent. Now you've got to see it. And as you're sanctified, you begin to see it. And check this out, um, just so you're aware. It's not only in the process of sharing the gospel, but it's also in the process of just growing in your faith in general. And God puts you in situations where you've got to trust him like you've never trusted him before. And he does it on purpose. He's like, watch this, I want want your faith to grow. I want you to believe me. I'm going to allow this calamity to hit your life because I want you to know that I'm Jehovah Rapha. I am the healer. And I'll heal you. But but you'd never know that if you didn't have that difficulty. Are y'all listening? To me, it's perspective, man. Your perspective changes as you're sanctified. Here, I got to give you a couple more. Passion for God is greater for your, than your passion for sin. Passion for God's greater than your passion for sin. In other words, you fall in love with God so much that you begin to put sin to death in your life. So that boss, that old sin boss that keeps telling you what to do, when you are sanctified, you start seeing that cat for what he really is. He is not pleasurable. But he is dreadful. So as a result, you with joy in your heart put sin to death and you embrace Jesus. Your passion for him is greater than your passion for sin. And then your love for others increases. That's another way to see it. Your love for others increases. As Jesus' life is made manifest in you, you'll discover that his love begins to be put on full display in your life. And like Jesus, you'll find great affection in serving others and helping those who are far from God. And here's the thing. Some of you are in situations, maybe even in your family life, where there are some folks around you who are unlovable. You're like, you you wouldn't believe what these people have done to me. I can't forgive them. Hey, God wants to grow you in your love. But in order to grow you in your love, he's got to put you around some people who are unlovable. It's easy to love people who love you. But you get around some of these folks, right, and you're like, good, I can't stand these people. See it from God's perspective. God's like, hey, I'm going to put you right here because I want you to grow in this area. I want you to learn to love people who are difficult to love. And then God could say, kind of like I love you. Are y'all listening? Sanctification. Sanctification. This is happening, man. This is happening. God's will for your life. Now, as you're sanctified, you become a more effective communication device for Jesus. You get an opportunity to share the gospel. So we kind of went from the gospel tour to a gospel skill, showing you how to share Jesus using one verse in the Bible. That verse is Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. So uh, let's all together. When you came in, by the way, if you're a guest of ours, you should have gotten two of these little business cards. If you'll take one of them and fill it out and then leave the second one blank, you're going to use the second one this week as you go out and share Jesus with somebody. But here's what we begin with. We begin, let's just kind of recite the verse. Y'all we mean Romans six twenty three on the count of three. One, two, three. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So as I share Jesus with somebody, first thing that I want to do is I want them to see that there is a space between them and God. Here's what I want you to know. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with the Lord, I want you to know this. God actually created you to have a relationship with him. He does. He loves you. He wants you to know And so we also realize this huge space, this chasm, this break between us and God. Now, why is that there? It's because of what the scripture says. For the wages, now think about wages. Wages are something you earn, right? So all your hard work, you get something as a wage. You get a paycheck. And then it's the wages of sin. So all your hard work of sinning, you get a paycheck. And all of us have sinned. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's holy standard. That's what the Bible teaches. Now, what is the payment? Well, you get a paycheck. It's written out to you. And that payment, according to this verse, is death. For the wages of sin is death. So every single one of us deserve it. Death is eternal separation from God in a real place called hell. And that's the reality. Jesus talks about this multiple times throughout the Gospels. That those who have sinned against God will be punished in hell for eternity. But here's the awesome thing. God loves us even though we're sinners. Matter of fact, the Bible says that there is a gift. A gift is something that's given to you. It's not something that you receive for your good works. It's a gift. And this gift comes from God. And this gift is eternal life. So think about that. God has eternal life as a gift he wants to give to you but the only way that you receive this gift according to this verse is in Christ Jesus our Lord and so you can just kind of draw a cross here I'm getting better at these by the way I think you just put Jesus there Jesus died on the cross over 2,000 years ago why'd he die well, he's dying to pay for the wages of my sin, which was death. So Jesus has died in my place. He was buried and raised again. And now if I'll turn from my sin and place my trust in Jesus, Jesus becomes a bridge that connects me to God. And God then gives me a gift, and that gift is eternal life. Are you listening to say yes? Romans six twenty three. You need to take that verse and go find somebody and share it with them this week because here's the thing Jesus prayed it didn't he? sanctify them in the truth O Lord your word is truth and father just as you have sent me into the world I am sending them into the world there you go let's pray father speak to hearts even now your heads bowed your eyes closed some of you are here today and you've not given your life to Jesus till just now maybe God got your attention and you're like you know what I need to Become a follower of Christ. Well, look, God wants that for you. I want it for you as well. But just as we said, God created you to know Him, but sin separates you. So this morning, you have to admit that you're a sinner in prayer to God. You just have to say, Lord, I'm a sinner. You got to believe that Jesus died on the cross for you. You also have to believe that He was raised again on your behalf. And if you'll turn from your sin this morning and place your full trust in Jesus, it'll give you a brand new life right where you are, right where you're seated. So if that's you today and you want to give your life to Christ, would you just pray something like this in your heart as I pray out loud? Just say, Lord, I'm a sinner, and I need forgiveness of my sin. So today I'm turning from my sin, placing my full trust in you. Now help me to live a life unashamed of who you are. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed, nobody looking around right now. If you say, Levi, man, that was my prayer. I just prayed with you. Then the first step of obedience is baptism. So in a moment, we stand to our feet. I'm going to invite you to come forward. I'll be here in the front, others as well. We want to pray for you, help you along in your walk with Christ. Now, listen, nobody's going to embarrass you, man. We're here to root for you. So you'd be bold if you gave your heart to Jesus this morning and you come forward. Our God may be calling you to join this church body. If that's the case, we'd invite you to be obedient as well to the Lord. And you come this morning. And Father, as always, we give the invitation to you and pray that you would work. And that's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. While we sing this morning, you come today. God's calling you. Give you-